In 2015, after nearly 30 years, Marvel Comics regained the license to publish Star Wars comics. The first major series to launch was Star Wars, at the time being penned by Jason Aaron. And today on Canon Catch-Up, we will be discussing that very first volume. Hello there, and welcome back to Canon Catch-Up on the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. I'm your host for today, Dan, aka Vader's Castle Library. And this is a very exciting Canon Catch-Up because this is the first Canon Catch-Up with the three musketeers, the three shit boys all together on one Canon Catch-Up. So, of course, I have Chris, SW Book Collector, and John, the Vader's Castle Library co-pilot here with me. How are you doing, lads? Lads, 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 lads. <laughs> That's for Johnny. Oh. I know he hates that. <laughs> this is my first uh, Canon catch-up, but I feel like I've got a promotion. It is, John. You got promoted from Comics Roundup. Used to it, mate. <laughs> yeah, I better see this on my payslip. I was going to say, actually, <laughs> do get used to it, because there's a shit ton of comics coming up. And <laughs> yeah. You're getting drafted in for it, John. Um, so... We have obviously, on Canon Catch-Up, we have only had one comics episode so far, which was the Darth Maul, Son of Daphomir episode, uh, because that was the last of the sort of Dark Horse um, era of uh, Star Wars comics. But now Marvel has taken over, uh, and uh, we are starting with Volume 1 of the main Star Wars series from 2015, uh, subtitled Guy Walker Strikes. Uh, this is issue one to six of Jason Aaron's Star Wars run. Uh, and the art is by John Cassidy. Um, these first six issues are probably broke, could probably be broken down into two sort of arcs, I guess. The first one being a Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, 3PO, R2 uh, infiltration of an Imperial weapons facility on Psy Moon 1. Uh, where Vader rocks up and Luke faces off against him. And then the second four issues, uh, Han and Leia go off on a mini-adventure to try and find Mm. a new rebel base, but shit happens and they bump into um, Han Solo's wife, Sana Solo. Uh, Meanwhile, Luke heads to Tatooine to find um, a nice journal from Ben Kenobi's gaff, and bumps into Boba Fett, and Boba Fett finds out that the rebel who blew up the Death Star is called Luke Skywalker, which pisses off Darth Vader. Um, that pretty much sums it up. So, Chris, I will start with you. What's your sort of top-level thoughts on this first volume of the Star Wars comic? So, yeah, this obviously is where it all started. This is the start of all of our obsessions, I guess. Whether we started here or not, this is the beginning um and it's yeah it's really good um the thing upon rereading it for this episode the thing that struck me was two things one is how good it is to be with this crew and how much it feels like star wars it feels Mm -hmm. like the original trilogy in every single way and two how much i miss han solo yeah because obviously han solo we haven't had him for a while in the comics because he's been preoccupied in Carbonite. He's been preoccupied. And then we had his own series and stuff. But just to see 
Han Solo again, like interacting with Luke and Leia and Freepio and Chewie. I got it. You could you couldn't get any more Star Wars mm-hmm. than this than this book. Yeah. This is quintessential Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, really, really good. Uh, and John, what about yourself? Agreed. Agreed, yeah. <clears throat> I mean any listeners to uh the comic catch up episodes and the previous podcast will know i i really have a hit and miss relationship with uh jason aaron um but i feel like this is one of the, the highlights of uh of, of his entire career um is, is definitely from from this 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 run it's uh <clears throat> as as chris said it's this peak star wars it's so good to be introed straight away into the original characters that we all know and love <clears throat> i love i really like luke in this whole six run arc, six issue arc, yeah. um, whereas like he's on the path of being a Jedi, you know, he's been given the the tools, all the gear, no idea, sort of thing, and kind of just left to his own devices. And um, I like how he realizes that you know it's not as easy as you thought it was going to be. It's it's going to be a, a struggle. You know, he gets his ass handed to him, uh, and I, I like. I like this, and I like the arc he goes on in like the self-reflection, because I think it's something that a lot of Luke Skywalker fans forget about, is they think he's just that guy in Return of the Jedi. Who's like, or they, they have this image of him from Return of the Jedi. Or Mando. He's like, or Mando, where he's like this perfect Jedi leader, you know, grandmaster thing. There's actually no, he's just your average, really, he's really just your average Tatooine boy. Who's uh, very good at shooting one brats? Your average um, whiny farm boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and he goes on this journey, and you know, he still has it. Even though when he gets to like each level of like accomplishment, he still has that same. He is the same person pretty much. He's just better at controlling himself and, and, and his powers. Yeah. Um, so it's a good reminder of that. Yeah. yeah, I mean the thing that that really appeals about Luke, especially in the early stories, is how earnest he is. Like he is the typical wild wide-eyed farm boy isn't he yeah like innocent and whiny yes whiny yes um but like that's it's the same as same with ray isn't it and in the sequel trilogy it's just like that is that is luke and it's super endearing and it's perfectly captured here mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i'm gonna echo what both of you said actually um really enjoyed this entire Star Wars one when I first read it. I think there were there were sort of bumps in the road along the way. There's some arcs that I liked less and that sort of thing. But on rereading this just today uh, reminded me how much how good this first volume is. Um, I, I remember when this dropped back in 2015 it was at a point in my life where I was actively going to the comic, shop, comic book shop every week to pick up new um, Marvel comics. It was it was in the height of the sort of a post Secret Wars reboot, um, and this Star Wars series was starting. And I remember um, I could never get a hold of an issue because it was always sold out in the comic book shop. Um, it obviously went on to be really successful, but this first volume I think is excellent. I think it to echo what both of you said, it feels so authentically Star Wars. It feels like this takes place just after A New Hope. These characters are all spot on. The artwork is actually really, really good. And I feel like very close to what the characters should look like. Yeah, it's it's obviously traced. 
Yeah. But it's not Salvador Larocco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, I really, really like this. I think, I mean, we'll get into some of the specific moments and some of the specific sort of character points, but um, yeah, Luke and this is fantastic. Han and Leia's dynamic is incredible. And the whole Star Wars run, but this volume does a really good job of starting that really like paves the way for that Han and Leia relationship that everyone falls in love with by the end of the original trilogy. Um, and I think this is a really, really um, effective first volume. Um, just one thing that I will sort of for, for the, the canon obsessed timeline junkies out there. Um, I think best estimations for this is this picks up maybe two or three months after A New Hope. Um, yeah, because we know that immediately after A New Hope, Han goes off and does the events of Smuggler's Run and the Han Solo comic. Princess Leia goes off and does the events of the Princess Leia comic. Luke goes off and does Heir to the Jedi and Weapon of a Jedi. Um, so we know that that stuff happens within like the first month or two, and then we get to this point. Um, so. Luke has already had like a couple life lessons between New Hope and now, but nothing he's major. Lost his girlfriend. He's, yeah, he's lost a girlfriend, which isn't mentioned. Um, and yeah, Han has taken a couple baby steps towards being a rebel, and Leia has had a bit of time to sort of reconcile what happened on Alderaan. But these characters are very much, pretty much, just reeling from what happened in a new hope and still picking themselves up after that and i think this this first volume really really nails that yeah absolutely i mean even more than that like c3po is in this and he's featured in it like it starts off with 3po being 3po you never see that anymore in comics Mm. or in anything star wars they're totally sidelined 3po good (laughs) but like Freepio is a major part of the original trilogy and his voice is a major part of the original trilogy and just seeing Han like rip him apart and you know what I mean and make fun of him and mm. but oh god it's just it feels like home yeah yeah mm. um so actually that's sort of my next question for you guys um how does how does this this first volume work for you as a post new hope story um, and does this fit within your sort of idea or your imagined idea of what that story between four and five would have been? Uh, Chris, because you were sort of getting onto it, I'll, I'll start with you there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the actual story beat, probably probably not, because it's, you know, it's adventures I'd never imagined and all that, but it's sold because the characters are, are correct. The characters are bang on. Mm-hmm. Um and it, I suppose it does, it, it's different because I'm so used to Charles Saul's Star Wars run. Now, Charles Saul's Star Wars run, the current one we're on now, is very different. He's very much using this as his chance to tell his own epic story. Whereas Jason Aaron isn't, Jason Aaron was a lot more subtle with it. He he is telling the story of those characters then and and how it leads up to Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing huge everything just as it should be um probably the biggest the biggest one is the whole Santa solo thing yeah um that's probably the closest to what we have now with those big moments where you're like i'm sure someone would have mentioned this <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. um but no it, it it works really really well um i can't love it enough and on that 
I mean, you, you put, I don't know, I don't know, are you going to ask about the whole Sana Solo thing? Yeah, well, we'll come back to Sana. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, just, it fits perfectly. Luke's got his yellow jacket. I love that yellow jacket. That's my favourite look for Luke. Um, and Leia's perfect. So, yeah, I've, I'm gushing a little bit, but it just reminded me of how effective this is yeah. in a Star Wars. Because I'm, I'm an OT guy. Like, I'm not a prequel guy. I think that's been established on this pod. <laughs> and um, the sequels I enjoy, but it's not my Star Wars. I, I do enjoy them a lot, though. Um, but yeah, this is my Star Wars. Yeah. And to be with these guys again, it, it's wonderful. Yeah, and what about you in regard to that question, John? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's just, it feels natural. Um, I think it's just the easiest way to describe it. Like, it's just, you open up the pages, you read the characters, and, uh, you know, as Chris was saying, it's just, that's just how it, it feels for the the characters are in the right place. And I think, um, just to echo Chris saying, you know, the, the story beats could have, I mean, you could have realistically told anything as long as the the, the story, uh, the characters fit. Because um, these are the these are the first set of like canon Star Wars comics we're getting, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Obviously, previously we've just had Legends and things like that. Um, so I think that getting that right was the the thing that they had to nail. And I mean, um, they, they've done that really well. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I to be honest, I'll actually go one further. I. I actually do think the story works because I think there's quite a few particular story beats that Jason Aaron nails with this first volume that I think is pretty integral to the original trilogy storyline. There's one obvious one, which I'll I'll let you say it, but I remember when I first read it, I almost didn't expect it. And when when I read it, I was like, of course that makes sense. Yeah. Of course they tell this story now. Yeah. So uh, I'm guessing you're going to say it's the Vader. Yeah, angle. exactly. Yeah. So, so this, this, this volume and actually Vader volume one, which we will be covering next week. Um, they sort of, they hold their hand in regards, they sort of go hand in hand in regards to how they end. But um, this is a spoiler if someone hasn't read it, but this comic came out eight years ago. Go read it. If you haven't read it. Um, this is this is the story where Vader finds out that the boy who just blew up the Death Star, the boy who was with Ben Kenobi, is Luke Skywalker. He finds out his name, and therefore that he has a son. Um, so, I mean, this is that's a that's a pretty major because in Empire Strikes Back, Vader just says to Luke, "I'm your father," and you know you could be like, "How would he know that this kid's his?" So, this is starting to answer that question. Um, it also starts to sort of answer the question of how Luke sort of continues his relationship with Ben, uh, not no longer being there through finding his journals. And then I think just on a wider scale of like what the rebellion was up to in the years between four and five. So, you know, we start off with them trying to, you know, damage the empire by blowing up a, a weapons facility. Um, Leia and Han go off to find a new... Um, a new planet because obviously the base on Yavin 4 has been discovered by the Empire so they need a new base at the moment they're just flying about in the home one and the, the other rebel fleet ships so I do actually think that Jason Aaron like manages to he doesn't do the epic scale Charles Soul stuff 
Um, and as much as I love the epic Charles Soul stuff, I really, really do. Some of it, you sort of sit and think, wait, why was this not mentioned in the movie? This is huge. But there's almost, there's not much in Jason Aaron's Star Wars run that you really have to like make mental gymnastics as to why it wasn't mentioned in Empire because it was just stuff you would expect to happen and stuff that fits and happening, but it's not so groundbreaking that it needs to, it's weird that it isn't mentioned. Does, does that, does that make sense lads? I think that's what like I particularly liked about this first volume. Yeah, it's, it's clever. It's effective. It, it's absolutely the right story to tell in this time period. Yeah. It really, really good. Really good. And to be honest, like I said, when I first read that moment, it's really powerful. And I remember being like, oh my God, you know, that is quite, it's quite a shocking moment, like emotionally. Yeah. Um, and I remember, and even that, like when Luke goes to Ben's house and finds a journal and Boba Fett's there waiting for him because obviously Vader's been tasked him with finding the kid who destroyed the Death Star. I was like, am I actually reading a fight between Luke Skywalker and Boba Fett right now? <laughs> Like, this is dream level stuff. Yeah. And it's not it's not a far out thing. Like that doesn't contradict anything. Mm-hmm. In there's no reason why that couldn't happen. Um so in that regard, even though I'm a big fan of Charles Saul's run and I think that's probably my favourite Star Wars run, I think you've got to appreciate this. This handles it probably a bit more clever than Saul does. Yeah, in terms of the, the canonness. Uh, of the canon, one. yeah. yeah. Ex- absolutely. Yeah. Um yeah, John, have you got anything else out of that? Because I know that you're, like me, quite a big fan of that Vader moment. Obviously, it's it's bigger and wider in the in Vader volume one, but we get a little glimpse of it in this one. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree with what Chris said. It was like, it, was, <clears throat> it, it's, it is powerful. And it, 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 it tells you get a lot from those panels without them having to say much. Um, obviously, which is just, it's it's clever story writing, but it just looks like, it looks lazy, but it's actually just really clever. Just the way you, you know, it's everything's just inferred. You know, you you take your knowledge of <clears throat> the original trilogy and the prequels, if it, and that sort of stuff, and you infer them onto the page in front of you. Um, and I think that's just that's really clever. I will say though that it is slightly embarrassing that Boba Fett's got his ass handed to him by another blind guy. Um, <laughs> Like, it just seems like if you want to win against Boba Fett, you just need to flashbang yourself before the fight, yeah. and you seem to just have it win it hands down. Daredevil um, wouldn't beat the shit out of Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah Dare, Daredevil would creep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as as Chris said, it was like that. You, you, reading that for the first time, and you're just like, "Damn, like this is this is like something you just never thought would happen." You never thought it would happen, but as Chris said, like it makes complete sense that it's happening. Like it's not, yeah. it's not like he's, they've had a big scrap and like lose, cut his hand off or something silly. That again, you'd need some serious mental gymnastics to work out. R two lobs a box at his head. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's literally how he wins the fight. R two lob, yeah. lobs and boxes again. Respect for R two, man. Yeah. People are forgetting. People are forgetting who the OG is. R two, mate. Chopper wouldn't lob a box on his head. He'd probably just nuke the whole fucking place <laughs> and kill Luke in the process. Um, yeah. So um, as Chris mentioned earlier, this volume 
has a pretty significant first appearance, and that is the first appearance of Sanastaros, or in this uh, volume in particular, Sanasolo, um, who right at the end of issue six, uh, sort of, she's been pursuing Han throughout four, five, and six. She finally catches up with him and then says, oh, I'm his wife. I'm Han Solo's wife. I'm Sana Solo. Chris, I know you're a huge Sana Staros fan now in 2023. How, how how was your initial introduction to Sana way back in this very first issue of Star Wars? And did you like her from the beginning? Let's not bury the lead here. I am a Stana. <laughs> I've, just, I've just made that up. <laughs> I like it. I am a Stana solo. Um, yeah, I remember being like really weirded out when I first read it, like because that's a bold thing. That's the kind of stuff you see in Star Wars comics now. Like Han Solo's got a wife. What? Uh, it, but it's handled well. Like it's handled as like a, a revelation, and then the explanation explains a bit more. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. But Stana's actual introduction when she's in Tatooine with the mask over her face. Mm-hmm. And that guy comes up to her and then she kills her with that automated gun and thing. Totally badass. Yeah, when she says knees and it just shoots out at his knees. Yeah. yeah. Where's that contraption? I want that Santa back. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I love Santa. I think Santa's up there with Afro as like the best. And they, they would have been introduced around about the same time within a month of each other. Yeah. Both of these characters in different series and they're still... They're still prevalent today. I mean, that shows you, doesn't it? Like how good those characters are and how much they captured. Um, Yeah. And I feel like Sana and Leia, their relationship that builds in this is hilarious and captivating. And it goes to even better places, especially when Afro gets involved. But that's the next volume, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Great. Sana. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well I, I remember when i read this for the first time i had that initial reaction because i was like oh this is a badass bounty hunter uh i couldn't quite tell is it a woman i, I had a fear I, I, so i didn't really know what was going on i was like oh who's this badass character and then the santa revealed i'm han's wife and i was like what han had a wife i'm not sure i'm into this so that is where this volume ends um, but obviously we'll, we will come to volume two and three in further canon catch-up episodes and it is handled really nicely and Santa goes on to have years and years and years of history in Marvel Comics and still to this day. I mean, this month on our Comics Roundup, we were talking about an issue where Santa comes back. So Santa is about from here, but it's a pretty significant first appearance and I just thought it was worth mentioning uh, on canon catch-up that this volume of Star Wars was Santa Starus's first appearance. John, I mean, did you sort of, have you got much of a relationship with Santa Starus? Did you did you like this beginning? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, just to echo what you guys said, I thought she had a cool intro because as you know, <clears throat> as you guys were saying, it's like a mysterious bounty hunter. You know, it, it went a long way with just showing her off for the big reveal of like mask off I'm Han's wife, what's up, bitch? Um, which I think was cool because uh, without that, I think it wouldn't have landed as like a whole like WTF, what's going on moment. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's clear that while she's not just some, you know, like bimbo that Han went off to like Star Wars version of Vegas and just married on a drunk night out, like <laughs> she, they've clearly like done, 
<laughs> they've clearly done some stuff together like they've they've had adventures together because she's more than capable of keeping up with him yeah is basically yeah. why i'm getting out with that um so it was, it was a cool intro and i liked it i was at first like what's going on here did i forget this did i pass out in this scene in the films this extended <laughs> edition sort of bollocks but yeah yeah it's, it's good um so sort of next thing i guess is i mean so throughout this star wars run and throughout the different marvel comics that we're gonna be covering on canon catch up um, a lot of the writer, a lot of the, the changes in writers and the changes in artwork can come with sort of popularity or, or the opposite of that. Um, so how, what did you guys think of this sort of writing an artist combination in this volume? Because it's consistent through the whole volume. It's, it's Jason Aaron writing and John Cassidy's art. Um, Chris, I'll start with you. Did, you. did you like this combo in this volume? Yeah, I mean, like I said, Jason Aaron perfectly knew how to write in. Um, the art, like I said, it, it, it's obviously traced. Um, there's a, quite a few moments in it where the faces, you know, don't quite match up. Um, and they're obviously lifted from scenes from the movie, movies, I should say. But it, but it's not Salvador the Rocker. You know, it's better. It's, it's got a lot more art around the tracing. Like that whole opening... The opening scene of the whole book, when you see the ship approaching, um, and it's got the Imperials weighted on the landing pad, and it's revealed in its hand being a giant shit house, is perfect. But it's perfect because of the art, the way it's structured, the paneling, yeah. it works really, really well. Um, so yeah, the, the the art is nice. It's clean. It's great. It's quite funny actually because we keep shit on the rocker, but at this time the rocker was drawing Vader. Yeah, and I don't remember Vader having bad art. And I'm going to pick up that, right. that that volume in a few days, um, and it'll be interesting to see what my reaction is. Yeah, it, it yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but just thinking back to this time, there were so many bangers with this, and um, uh, obviously, I, I remember the art shifting quite significantly with the next volume. Yeah, like it's massively different. It changes a lot yeah. through this run, and I mean, they change writer yeah, three I, times I, as well. I think. Yeah, Greg Pack. Um, I think the actual art changes for every trade paperback, doesn't it? Pretty much, yeah. I think it is consistently everyone. Yeah. At, le- at least for those first six, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, John, what about yourself? Did you like this? I mean, I know that uh, you you pride yourself sometimes in being Jason Aaron's biggest hater and lover. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely true, because some of his work fucks me off. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it was it's de- it's decent. It's not like a you know, it's not going to go down as like a writer artist combo in history. You know, like um, like like in my book, like you know, Dan Slott and um, Mark Allred, or like Bendis and uh, Believe. I was going to say Bendis and Bagley to her, and Mark Bagley. Um, Jeff Lowe, <laughs> Tim Sale. A fantastic shout, Chris. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Uh, yeah, but it's not it's not going to go down as that, but it was it was decent enough to for me to not get taken out of the story from the art. And I also think sometimes where an artist and a writer really fall down is I don't know how to describe it, like panel panel layout or like panel selection, um, which is where I think usually where the the weakness is. Because I mean, if you have a good artist and a good writer, usually they'll just muddle along together, and you can't really fuck that up. But then if, if 
if that's if the panel selections and the panel wording and script is, is poor then it's really noticeable but no issues with this one on, on here yeah. um, that I found so I was satisfied with uh, Jason Aaron so you there's some great examples isn't there of like great um, combos in Star Wars you know like Kevin Scott and Ariane Indito is an obvious one yeah, Solon Kevin mm-hmm. Shelley mm-hmm. yeah um, and Melissa Wong and Minkyu Young yeah you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think this is that but it's no. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel the exact same way. I think, I think you're right. I think that some of the, the, the like, because the faces are obviously very close to the the films, um, that for me isn't where the art excels. But like some of the spreads, like I'm just looking, sort of flicking through now. There's a beautiful spread. I think either in issue one or two where Vader, um, is walking off an Imperial shuttle and there's stormtroopers everywhere. There's some nice spreads of like you know boba fett and uh, vader and jabba there's like a really nice two-page spread of uh, vader speaking to jabba in jabba's palace um so i do think like it's not the highlight of star wars art uh, in in this run or in star wars as a whole but i think the artwork is strong um jason aaron in a similar way to you john there's some of his marvel marvel stuff that hasn't worked for me um but there's some of his Marvel stuff, which I think is excellent. Um, but the vast majority of Jason Aaron's run on Star Wars, I really, really like. But I think this might be my favorite volume. I mean, it'll be interesting how if my opinion changes whilst we as we do more episodes of this. Um, but I do really, really like this first volume. It is really fun and authentic and pure Star Wars. And yeah. It's, it's, it's good fun. Um, yeah, just, just to just to finish up um, this, I think just whilst we're going through the comics um, on future episodes, I think it'd be worth just sort of noting if there's any sort of significant canony moments because um, what's obviously quite common with uh, particularly the comics is because not a lot of your typical Star Wars fans will be or sort of your general Star Wars audience will read the comics. There's big things that happen in the comics that people won't know about because they only watch the films. So I think if we just highlight those little sort of like significant canon moments, um, so there's a couple, obviously the major one with Vader learning Luke Skywalker's name. Um, there's a nice, that's the biggest. That's the biggest in this one. There's a nice little moment where Vader and Luke sort of face off your lightsaber on a lightsaber for the first time in this. And obviously Vader disarms him quite easily and takes a look at the lightsaber and is like, Oh, I recognize this one. Um, yeah. It's before, isn't it? This is before he knows who he is. Yeah. This is literally this the first like, issue. Yeah. This is the punk kid. Yeah. Um, so, and that's he, the way he sees him. so he's like, well, how has this kid got my lightsaber? Um, I think that's a neat moment. Um, I think there's, there's, uh, the Vader and Jabba the Hutt dynamic is really interesting in this. Just seeing the two of them working together and seeing what Jabba the Hutt's role within the Empire is, you know, selling to Palpatine weapons and stuff. I think it's interesting seeing that aspect explored a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then just in terms of like, we will, this Star Wars run tracks the life of the Rebellion very, very well. So, you know, we get a nice moment here where Leia is sort of saying to Akbar and Mothma, oh, we need to be doing more, we need to be more aggressive. And they're like, look, chill. Like, we've just blown up a Death Star and blown up a weapons facility. Like, take a break. Um, so 
that is like a continuing theme that will pop up a lot in these Star Wars comics is where the rebellions are. And obviously at the moment, they're still looking for a new base. They're still trying to do, I guess, like small insurgents to deal damage to the Empire. Yeah, this is they're very much the guys from a new hope, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. They're just like they're 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 really youthful and juvenile and silly and they're just getting just into scrapes and running in headfirst to thing into things. It's not it's not the Luke Leia and hand that are weighed down by the time you get to Empire, is it? Yeah, exactly. Um is there any is there anything else that I missed in terms of like sort of nice sort of significant canony moments in this that you'd want to highlight? I mean, if you don't mind, Jargo, I think the other one made only really is the the Luke visiting Kenobi's house, yeah, yeah, and getting his journal, um, just because that's a a deeper connection between those two characters that adds a lot to their relationship and adds a lot to Luke's relationship with the Force, which is still being built on now. Yeah. I feel like all the stuff we're getting in comics now with Luke comes from this moment when he gets these journals yeah yeah um, absolutely so it it might not be super big for movie fans but it's 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 a big in the literary star wars world i'd say yeah yeah um john is there anything else that you can think of that you'd like to add to that little list no i didn't i didn't have anything to add so it was a good thing that chris chose to dive in because i was uh, drawing a blank <laughs> to us, i think we've covered all of it um the only other thing that i thought was a really nice little nod was when Leia and Han are talking about the Falcon and talks about how Han won the Falcon and he gave us a back. And then she's like, oh, you definitely didn't cheat, did you? And then he was like, yeah, but the other guy, the other guy was cheating. And then almost mentions Lando's name. I think he says like L-A-N and then gets cut off by Leia. But that to me is really interesting because that is mentioned here and lines up perfectly with Solo, but Solo hadn't obviously been released at this time so i don't know whether that was just a happy coincidence that jason aaron managed to predict solo or or what yeah i don't think Solo was even developing at this point was it no 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 so that lines up really nicely um yeah uh so yeah overall first volume of star wars i'd say we all are a fan of it yeah essential read it if you haven't read it yet get it immediately yeah yeah, like, yeah. it's dirt cheap everywhere yeah. I actually picked this book up from Game. So there's a shop in the UK called Game. It sells games. Um, but they do merchandise and stuff, don't they? And I remember going in once and seeing it just to, just to the left of the till, and it was there, and it had 99p on it. 99p. So I bought it and didn't read it for like three years, but I had it. And yeah, it was great. I spent like eight quid on this thing on Amazon the other day. Really? <laughs> Mate, you can get this dirt cheap everywhere. I think Dubois was selling it for two pound at one point, yeah. because there was so many made of it because it was so big. And actually, going thinking about the art, you know, we're talking about. I'm going off a tangent here, um, but the fact that we have the tracing in this one, and obviously the other premiere series was Darth Vader and Salvador the Rockers, the artist for that. That's that's got to be an obvious choice by Marvel, isn't it? You know, let's be, get yeah. traces. Let's try and get them as looking as close to the movies as we can, because at this point it was untested, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was obviously their safe bet to start. And then then once they got comfortable, Marvel Comics went to do some really wacky and weird shit with Star Wars. Well, yeah, if you think back to the first volume of Doctor Aphra, which wasn't too long after this, and how cartoony that art style is, and you know what I mean? It's very different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, anyway. So yeah, I mean that pretty much wraps up uh, this episode of Canon Catch Up. Uh, it will be the three of us back next week to talk about Darth Vader 2015 volume number one, um, which I believe is just called Vader. Um, and that collects issues one to six. So it'll be the three of us back to talk about that on Canon Catch Up next week. And, and then you get another first appearance in that one as well. And a pretty significant first appearance at that. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you enjoyed the episode, let us know on Instagram. Um, we have a lot of Marvel comics to be we're now at the point in Canon Catch Up where we're going to be comic trade paperbacks more commonly than novels. Um, so stay tuned. We've got a lot coming and I think it's a pretty good era of comics to be talking about. So I'm looking forward to, to chatting. But I imagine just, mostly with you two, but I'm sure. It's going to be especially good if you haven't read the comics. Yeah. So it's a good way for you to sort of like get some information on them rather than having to commit financially to them. Yeah, but also unlimited... Nine ninety nine a month. You can read these all, uh, and they're great. So you should. Um, or go to a game, and pick it up for ninety nine p. But yeah. So, Chris, where can the people find you? Instagram and Facebook. SW Book Collector. And John. Uh, Instagram. Uh, Vader Castle Library. And uh, John is gonna, John's going to drop another <laughs> omnibus review on Instagram soon. And then, oh, what's what the people have been waiting for? And then exactly. get more fucking <laughs> likes than me. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, this is obviously Dan post. <laughs> Call me when John makes a post. <laughs> By the way, people listening, this is my favourite joke because it winds Dan up because they share an account. <laughs> yeah, not salty at all. Uh, but yeah, so I've been Dan also at Vader's Castle Library. Uh, thanks for listening to Can and Catch Up. We love doing these episodes, so thanks for continuing to tune in. Uh, we will catch you next time. May the force be with you. Goodbye. May the force be with you. Bye. <laughs>